and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Porter, and I'm joined this Independence Day by Owen and Kira Costello of Decking Awesome Games. How are we doing, guys? Doing great. Great, thanks. But bit of a Celtic takeover on the podcast tonight. We've uh, we we've lost the Englishman Josh, and it's just the Scots and the Irish. So <laughs> that's why we like it. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> it. So you guys are, I say, working on a game. You're just about to release a game. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, just about to go onto the Kickstarter on September thirteenth with our uh, with our uh, dice and card game. Uh, so we're pretty excited to kind of talk about it and uh, uh, talk to yeah. you more. So the the game itself is called Dice Summoners. Is that right? Yeah. The, yep. Summoners. And do you want to tell us a little bit about how Dice Summoners works? Yeah, sure. Um, so Dice Summoners is a two-player dueling card and dice game. The dice is in the name, so that should hopefully uh, make people remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you play as a, as a summoner, and you have an army that uh, consists of a few low-level creatures and uh, a few low-level spells, and they're represented by cards. And these cards give you dice that are you use to build up your army. So uh, there's a central community of cards that you can draw from when you get your dice. And the, the real fun of the game is in the rolling of the dice, because we both enjoy dice quite a lot. <laughs> and you get to decide on different strategies. So the box comes with 44 different sets of cards, but you can use different ones. Like if you like to kind of play a sneaky game, there's stealing cards and things like that. Or if you like the straightforward attack and defense there's a, a good strong set you can uh, lay out in the middle. So you get to kind of, uh, first of all, pick the the card you want to play with, and then you get to decide on the strategy you want to go for to see if you can uh, get rid of the other player. Okay, so you got got a bit of card dueling, bit of dice rolling. We we, we touch a deck building, perhaps? Yeah, so it's, it's deck building, but where you have all the, the cards yeah. available to you from the start. So you, you get, I suppose, I've always gotten a little bit frustrated with the heavy car or heavy games where you have to invest a lot of time and money because i never have the money and <laughs> to, to invest in that so we kind of wanted to go for something where you started out and you got the joy of building a deck without having to go find each of the sure. cards individually <laughs> so it, it's maybe worth saying that um you, you guys are a brother sister team yeah 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 so how how did you guys get into tabletop gaming was it uh, one started out in it and dragged the other into it or is it something that you've, you've always been invested in well, well kind of because Kira was in the same college that I was and college is kind of okay. where I kind of got into uh, board games but uh, yeah yeah I, I've been in I like board games before college but I got really into board games in college like I suppose before college it was more the like game of life and stuff like that you know your your old school games <laughs> and then I went to college and got into uh, uh, they had a board game society and they were so friendly really nice and I kind of got more and more comfortable got into some they covered everything though I got loads, loads of RPG and LARP experience and everything while I was there so I got to try a bit of everything and I suppose I brought it home I suppose <laughs> as well <laughs> that's cool so dice summoners, as we've just said, it's a it's card game. You got a bit of dueling dice, things like that. It it, it strikes me that that you guys have have um, cherry picked some things that um, you enjoy about other games and have uh, 
whipped up something a little bit different from a, a lot of what's out there. What what sort of influences um, have you drawn upon with Dice Summoners? Um, so yeah, there's actually quite a lot of influences from different kind of board games that uh, we played quite a lot. Uh, the common pool of cards in the middle uh, is kind of like Dominion, but also kind of like Hero Realms slightly. But uh, it's it's a common pool of cards you have in the middle that both players kind of agree to at the start and it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And then it's got a set of like three uh, cards per deck. And then so uh, as the people are, uh, so you can decide what kind of game you want to start to start with. And then you slowly build a army. Um, but instead of having like a set of cards in front of you, like you pick up five cards per deck, you're kind of sh- laying the cards out uh, in front of you. So you're, yeah, you're kind of building up your own customized kind of hand uh, that you can kind of play mm-hmm. at any time. And then, of course, dice rolling loads of games like Roll for the Galaxy and uh, lots of other things. Uh, but we love the idea of uh, using the dice being the source of randomness instead of like the deck of uh, cards and um, like in games like magic the gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, we wanted to get that feel of Yu-Gi-Oh and magic the gathering but with dice is the randomness because it's easier to control that kind of randomness and always gives people like a choice of something to do on their go uh-huh. and it has to be like a good choice that people get like an actual strategic element whether they want to build up their machine or they want to uh, attack and use this advantage of this like a good lucky roll or something like that to push their advantage yeah, so there's a lot of different kind of game ideas coming together, but we kind of we hope that we mix them all together uh, so that it make makes sense, and we believe it's kind of a simplified, easy to learn into a, a lovely tabletop salad, if you will, incorporating yeah, yeah, all these. Yeah, just enough spice. Um, <laughs> just enough space. Yeah, not, not too much, so it's enough space to keep it interesting. That's yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but that that's quite an interesting thing that that you mentioned about having the the dice as the 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 random element within the game, so that there there's no there's no drawing of cards in dice summoners. I mean, like because um you you mentioned Magic Gathering Yu Gi Oh, obviously that that's a big component of those games. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've played Magic Gathering, but uh, as a as a teenager, I played a lot of Yu Gi Oh. That was my game. Uh, absolutely, I love Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, but yeah, instead of uh, instead of picking up five cards and then those are your five actions potentially, if you can use those mm-hmm. five cards, uh, we, we thought that using the dice uh, and because the dice have symbols, and then you can pair those symbols off, and you get certain like combinations of them, and you'll get more dice as the game goes on, and you get mm-hmm. a bigger machine. Um, that allows you to kind of uh, give the game lots of different stages. So this, the beginning is kind of slow, but it's also kind of tactical. It's where how you're gonna uh, you can if you get good rolls and you can kind of get a good strategy, you can do a lot of damage. Yeah, not prepared, uh, and in the mid game, people kind of have fleshed out what they're going to do or strategy, um, but there might be kind of problems with it. Like they might, you, you might make a roll and you're not able to do anything with it, um, so you have to kind of be able to handle any roll that comes at you. Um, and then uh, at the end game, you can you have a full fledged machine, you can finally do your final attack. But yeah, the dice are what they they don't force you to do actions, but they kind of limit your options of. If I wanted to be a very offensive player, um, I'm still limited by what those dice give me. It's quite an interesting idea, actually, because um, um, Silver Tower, um, I say Silver Tower, the, the, um, both of the new versions of uh, Warhammer Quest, um, Silver Tower and Shadows Over Hammer Hall, use quite a similar mechanic, where um, uh, for your character, you've got um, four, they, they call them hero dice. It's just like a, a standard D6. Uh, you roll the four of them at the start of your turn, and then those numbers are, are locked in for that turn, and you decide what you're going to do with those actions so that r- rather than 
rolling in the instance that you want to do something and then seeing whether it succeeds or fails as you say there's an element of of planning involved and you you do have the the randomness of the dice keeping things interesting there but you you've got a certain degree of of planning there that it does mean that you've got enough randomness to keep things interesting but you're able to mitigate some of the randomness by reacting to it and yeah i I think that it kind of like that where you know if you don't bother to put any effort into having something happen when a certain symbol comes up you're always going to have a weak role if that symbol comes up but you know if you're if you've thought about it and you've done some strategizing you get to feel, you know, there's there's a lot of advantages to not just playing a random game as well, even though there's dice involved. It's kind of yeah. I think randomness is is a lot more important in games than than people realise. Um, I, I know a lot of people just totally abhor the the whole idea of uh, of random number generation um, in games, and and they want it to, uh, as they see it, be purely skill based. And this is my path to victory, and this is the strategy I'm going to use, and then you just move forward with that. But I, I do think that there's quite a bit of skill in being able to respond to things that are beyond your control. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, like, so, so, like a lot of people, where the randomness comes from uh, is a bit of a mystery in a lot of cases. Um, I, I, that's why I believe totally that the the deck is. It feels like the 52 cards in a deck. It, that's incredibly random it's uh, and uh to me it's a little bit too random it can it, it, you can still get a lot of control but there's too many times where you can pick up cards and uh they don't they're not exactly what you want um but yeah the randomness in certain games like a lot of people think once it's dice is in the game it's too random uh, it's too chaotic there's no way of really having fun you're kind of at the at the whim of the dice but there is ways of making sure that people have legitimate choices sure. on their go that they can make like certain strategic choices no matter what it is so like even in the middle of the game you can still make choices as to whether to uh, how to defend with certain creatures uh, how to uh, give yourself an advantage maybe not this turn but later on and there's lots of things kind of uh, options you have available to you Um, and so yeah there's a lot of things that'll pay off in the future and stuff like that so yeah i think it gives a lot more control than it does Uh remove uh kind of strategy it's interesting you talking about the um the, the card draw thing because I, I think on 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 games where you're relying on drawing or you draw a hand at the start of the game or whatever that those games almost always suffer from that problem of you can end up with a hand where there's just nothing you can do um you know like in, in magic the gathering they they talk about mana lock where oh, yeah, yeah. if you've got loads of mana but you don't have any cards you can't do anything or you've got loads of cards and you've got no mana, you can't do anything. And even in, um, it, it's not so much a problem in Age of Sigmar Champions, you know, the one we were talking about just before we started recording, that's a that's a new card game that's just come out. Um, but you, you you can still get that problem of like, you go, right, I'm going to draw a card, and then you draw another one, you're like, no, nope, can't do anything with that either. So it's... Um, yeah, just... we were playing uh, Lord of the Water Deep there the other day, and... Uh... <laughs> Um, the that there was a lot of that feel in like if you don't get a nice set of balanced cards at the start, you can really feel like you've you've lost the game a little bit because they have such big decks in that game uh, for the entry cards. cards and yeah, even for the missions, if you've got like really high level missions at the start, you just feel a little bit like overwhelmed. Or if you can't use your entry cards, like they're the advantage you have in the game and 
you feel a little like the injury cards if they, if they were all fully the same kind of power it would make sense but because there's certain cards that are far more powerful like someone will give you like an extra action it can lead to uh kind of a little bit of a chaos like um but it, of course i think that's 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 a mechanic that they intended if that kind of randomness is kind of what they want but uh it can be a little bit too random sometimes you know i, I love lords of water deep i actually think that um i, I know you you just um bashed it a wee bit there but i i just <laughs> sorry <laughs> lord of water is one of my favorite yeah. games but me and owen have very different views oh, yeah. than lords of okay. water deep. <laughs> um but i i kind of feel like lords of water deep is is a good example of um a good balance of skill and randomness um you you can have this plan set out for what you want to do in lords of water deep where you right right okay this is my lord card and this is the building that I control, and this is my quest, and if I do this, this, and this, that'll be fine. And then someone hits you with a mandatory quest. (laughs) It totally messes up what you want to do for the rest of that turn, but the players that, in my experience, consistently win Lords of Waterdeep are able to respond effectively to things like that. Yeah, not waste the... The go, yeah. yeah. Whereas you'll get other players that, as soon as you hit them with something like that, they're tearing their hair out because they they don't know how to respond to this. This, this isn't something that they they factored in for what they wanted to do. Yeah, I, I love that about what Lords of Waterdeep as well. The randomness kind of comes from the other players as well, which is a great sign of a good yeah. uh, kind of worker placement game. Even the, obviously the worker placement is coming from the other people, but the cards, injury cards, and the quests, and everything works together with all the players. So there's no uh, everyone's kind of mixing together they have to know the whole you have to know the whole story and um, yeah it's a great game yeah you, you need to be adaptable to play that because even like the way that the um the lord cards work uh, you know where you, you you'll have one that's like you get four points for every skullduggery or arcana quest you play or whatever you you can't favor a particular type of quest whenever you play that game it it's it's almost as though they designed it to force players to adapt to yeah. what's happening yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, because the her- the heroes when, when you when you're forced to play only two specific types of cards, the, obviously yeah. those specific types of cards will give you like permanent buffs that are like totally different. So you'll have like the skull duggery guys will be much more kind of aggressive against other op- opponents. And if even yeah. if you're not an aggressive person, you now have to become one. Which <laughs> I, I absolutely love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's that way as well of like right, okay, you can go and do the skullduggery warfare quests because your lord kinda dictates that that's what you should be doing. But what are you going to do when the guy next to you figures out that those are the two quests you're going after? Oh yeah. I, I, the last time I was playing Lord's Waterdeep, uh it was, it was an absolutely terrifying moment because there's one guy who's his first time playing, uh, he thought he was going to win, and he had to make a decision between potentially winning and 100% eliminating me from winning. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a really tough decision to make. Uh, but yeah. yeah, he ended up just trying to win. Yeah, I, I, I could talk about Lords of Water Deep all day. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, the, the, it's, the, it's that randomness, like we were saying, where you, you have to be able to respond to it effectively. And it actually presents you with a whole other of interest and decisions to make yeah, that, yeah. that you wouldn't have if it was just this is the game and this is how it plays off you go yeah and it's nice that you can get that like that they do get that out of a deck it's uh because because it can be so hard as well to make worker placement that little bit more interesting and fulfilling as a strategy game if if there's if there's nothing there to add the randomness yeah i, I think so 
but it's um, it just ticks so many boxes. I, I I love it. It's and you know one of the nicest things about it, as much as it is a very well designed game, is the insert <laughs> where you have so many things. Yeah, they did. They did think about everything, every little piece. Because it, I mean, because Lords of the Water, Lords of Water Deep's been out for what? It's about about five or six years, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's been out a while, and I say that to say how many games have come after it with similar, if not higher, component counts, and they don't they don't bother with an insert or anything. That's true. These these monsters <laughs> design these huge games with all these little bits, and they just expect you to dump them all in a bag, or just or heaven for fend, just dump them all into the box when you're done. That's that's probably one of the reasons Lords of Waterdeep sees the table so much <laughs> is that you're not afraid to take it out. You're not afraid just to look inside that box because some games you look inside the box and you're like, oh, this is going to take me so long. To set up. <laughs> do, do you know what? As funny as that is, that is actually a great point, and it, it would be interesting to um to to talk to people about that because it, it's something that um we were we were dis- I can't remember who it was we were discussing this recently though um I was discussing this with someone we were saying that so much of, of gaming. Um, so much of anything but in particular because we're looking at it all the time with tabletop gaming th- th- there's a real emphasis on convenience yeah I think that the smallest games I have get the most gameplay yeah. like like Skulls and Coo Coo and uh, those sorts of games things that are like you know they're handy to get places yeah um, I, I can remember actually talking to a, a friend of mine several years ago when a group of us were looking to start a, a war games club and um, one piece of advice that he gave me was that you need to keep tabs on people bringing card games to war games clubs because he said that card games are almost always the death of war games clubs because what happens is over time people start to get fed up with having to bring the case full of figures and the the dice and the books and then they just think to themselves i can just bring a couple of deck boxes and i'll play a few games of that it's, it's so it's so difficult to get yeah, it right you it's know? it's funny but it it's true it's you know it there's something to be said for that and then um, I, I do think that the the companies that make these big war games are cottoning on to the fact and you know they're, they're trying to make their their rule system streamlined with the right amount of depth and um they're even like trying to reduce the the run times on a lot of their games like um we we recently did an unboxing of um uh, games workshop released a a box set for the the kill team uh variant of 40k and and that it it yeah. uses more or less the same rules as 40k, but it concentrates all of the action down until one or two squads of guys, as opposed to a full army. So, uh, was it like a hundred points or 150 points? It's, it's, it's something like that. Yeah. So, like, um, I, I've not, I've not actually played with them yet, but I've got my my little squad of base wolves and it is it's just five dudes that are just kitted out (laughs) but it's you know it it takes like half an hour to an hour to play you only have to take five figures instead of 50 so yeah that's a big deal yeah and it gets it gets to the meat of the uh of the actual play which is that bit near like the end of warhammer 40k where you have very few people and you're terrified of losing (laughs) But you have a really good chance of winning as well. Yeah. So it's oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, the, as yeah. much as I love Age of Sigmar, there's times where I think I've got I've got like eighty guys on this board, and 
only about twenty of them are fighting at any one time. You know, there's a wee, there's a wee bit of you that's like a lot of them are just like little plastic props. They, they might, they might as well be scenery. Some of them for all they're doing, you know. Whereas in in Kill Team, everything's involved, right? Because it's only you only got about fifteen models on the board. Yeah, yeah. They'll have to do their part. The rest. Yeah. It's, it's going to be chaos. I like, I like the nice chunk of a game where you're not stuck like if a game is going horribly or it's going really great even if if it's an hour an hour and a half long feel a lot more like it's achievable that you could fit it in even if you've got to be somewhere as well definitely what what sort of runtime have you are you guys at with um with dice summoners then and so 30 minutes i think the first time you play obviously learning the rules takes a bit longer so at conventions it usually runs for like 45 minutes to an hour but it's 30 minutes once you like I think me and Owen can play it in in under thirty minutes, easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think we can even decide on our next move practically before we've even. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, just to figure out what the other person's doing as well. A lot of mind games. It's it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> we've played it hundreds of times as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that does. I mean to to be fair, when when you're at conventions and you're demoing, you you, you know yourselves, you're getting dozens of questions fired at you and trying to play through the thing so it's it's understandable that the it would run a bit longer but so was was runtime a, a consideration for you guys with with dice summoners um yeah a lot of our game nights we really love to play like short games not like too short that you wouldn't enjoy them but like things like uh love letter and a lot of the the games we have we we really enjoy that getting into a, a board game quickly so you can like get to the enjoyable part of the game kind of almost straight away and then just really have a great time for half an hour but not have it drag on and uh as well i suppose it's it's um it's kind of a a good game for people who wouldn't be into like the heavier side of board games so um if you just want something light or you uh, we get like a lot of like couples and stuff who play it because it's a two-player game. uh, I know I'm always over two-player games anyway. They can be quite hard to find good ones. We did think a lot about how the how we we for this type of game we wouldn't want it to drag on too long. Yeah, yeah. The the sort of two player dueling games. I feel like half an hour is a good um, a good uh, yardstick for those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Summoners War as well is a good two player game, but that that runs a good bit longer, does it? Sixty minutes, fifty minutes. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Or like Magic Gathering and Yu Gi Oh and stuff. Which are, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's it's good. It's 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 good to find. Uh, it depends on the mechanics, obviously, of the game and what you kind of want to get out of it. But um, it's good to also get to a certain point where if you know who the winner is, because when it comes to like oh, yeah. games like Magic Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh, there is a certain point where you know who the winner is. There's still a chance for you to come back. But uh, there is also that moment of if there isn't a chance for you to come back, the game should probably be over. So, yeah. uh, you know, so make sure you're... We, we like to think that the, the time is managed properly so that you're never... You're always engaged in the game. And there's never a time where you're just like you're not you're not playing just to see the game end. That shouldn't really happen yeah. in any of your turns. But yeah, this it's so true though. That there's a, a lot of games where you know you some. I I think a lot of card games are quite, are quite um they can be quite bad for that. In particular, like you're saying, where you can get like two or three hands in, and then someone just throws their hands up and is like, "There's nothing I can do," and then two you just end up talking about what will happen <laughs> next rather than doing it. Because you know, you know, like the general idea of where it's going, you can see the kind of curve, and uh, and you just kind of you given up at that point. But yeah, the game should the game should just end at that point. But um. and and we did like haven't 
really enjoy two player games. So we don't like that. And when we're playing games, so like, obviously it was one of the, it was a big consideration uh, yeah. to, to have in ours is to not, because I do get frustrated sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I can be, if I'm, if I'm stuck for a few rounds and I'm like, I've clearly lost this game. Yeah. <laughs> because the best, some of the best player elimination games, uh, I think are like chess and pocket hive, <laughs> which, uh, which is like, they're so, because uh, you get to a certain point, obviously, and you know, you've lost, but in, 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 there's always a chance of coming back in a yeah. lot of these games, but in some games there's not. And, but you, because like in chess is a great example of if you, it doesn't matter if you've got uh, a horse and a bishop, you still got a chance. <laughs> a horse and a bishop at night. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that's true, but at the same time, chess is very much one of those games where I mean I, I don't play enough chess to be able to do this, but I, I know that very practiced players can can quite accurately predict what's going to happen, um, and and sometimes they very often know several moves in advance whether they've won or lost but that's quite an interesting consideration that that you pointed out there of 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 having the action coincide with the point at which one player or the other realizes that they've won or lost because like you say it's you know with a lot of the card games you know well in advance whether you've won or lost but we we played a game recently by ankama called brothers and it's a two-player tile placing game and it says that it takes 15 minutes to play. Um, I don't think we've ever had a game of Brothers run 15 minutes, let alone over it. Oh, wow. But it's um, because things happen so quickly in it, you, you don't know who's won or lost until you've placed pretty much everything. Um, so it, it doesn't suffer from this, um, you know, the, the, the players sort of projecting how the game's going to play. Rather than actually playing it. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the hidden, yeah, the, having the hidden uh, victory is is a really good way of doing. Like, yeah. Well, it's not it's not so much a hidden victory because it it, it is just like three sets of tiles, and you're just um you're 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 basically trying to lay them in such a way that you're going to be able to place more of your tiles, and your opponent's not going to be able to place as much of theirs because one set of the tiles is L shaped, and one of them's just a, a straight line. So. You, yeah, so you oh. can sort of hem off parts of the board if you place your things cleverly, but it's um, it it does mean that because you are placing your tiles like that, that you don't know until you're placing the last few whether or not you've won. So you don't you don't ever end up doing that thing of oh well if you do this this and this then you'll win. So I'm just going to give up. And it's like you'd mentioned um, earlier about um, like in Lords of Waterdeep. Do you play to to counter what your opponent's trying to do, or do you just pursue your own objective? And th- this is one of the things that you're juggling in Brothers: is do I keep trying to lock off the board to him, or do I keep trying to make sure I can place my own stuff? That's a that's a really good idea, especially in a two player game. Um, uh, having that kind of challenge of that choice is really good. Yeah, yeah. Some people some people don't like it because obviously two player games yeah. you tend to want to have you tend to want to like to make your own machine and not like almost have no take that mechanics at all against the other person. Uh, but I think I think it adds a certain interesting choice into the into the mix, you know, because it's always it's always it's always tough to know how well the opponent is doing as well. Yeah, in these kind of scenarios, I think interactivity is really important in games because there there are a lot of um, competitive games, a lot of two player games where it, it's almost like you're you're just playing a solo game across from the other person and then at the end you add up some numbers 
Yeah, where, where there's actually the, the, the things where you can affect the other person is very, very limited. One of my favorite two-player games of all time is Patchwork, which is an actually incredible game where you're, kind of, you're picking uh, certain sections of patches and you're trying to build your own little patch network. But the only kind of section that people are kind of competing against is picking the specific yeah. patches, um, which is, so it's like there, there is an element of working together, but there's no way of really kind of uh, attacking the other person or ruining their patch. Yeah, you can um, take a piece, but like before them or take one that they were eyeing up, but you can't, like there's still a good chance that they wouldn't have got that piece sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they wanted it anyway, so... You, you don't even need the other person there for a lot of the yeah a lot of the game so I, I take it obviously with with um dice summoners you you've compared it to a, a couple of the, the the dueling deck type games like magic the gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh. um can can players expect a good dose of uh player interactivity in dice summoners yeah yeah i think uh, i've also uh, if you're going to compare it to other kind of things there's a lot of these uh, dice rolling action games that are out there at the moment. Uh, I don't know if you like. There's Ashes, Rise of the Phoenixborn, and also Star Wars Destiny, uh, which they're, although mm-hmm. a lot of mechanics are different and are kind of they're done in a different way. Ours are, is kind of like you roll them. It's like, our dice are like the actions, and you get a lot more dice. So there's a lot more different kind of variety, but you can also have choice in everything you do. And um, but yeah, everything. So we have uh, you have curses in the game, which is like a direct take that where you give someone a curse and it will then affect their machine pretty much sure. immediately. And then you have uh, things like auras, which are permanent buffs, which you can give out. And we have loads. We have like five of each of these. Uh, we have lots of different uh, variety in all these that pers- that people can swap in and out. And then we have, uh, obviously, we have other things like you can defend the creatures, which will affect certain abilities people have. Like uh, there's vampires that steal your health, but that doesn't work if you go through defense. But yeah, the idea of the game is that uh, we, we uh, give the person a simple setup, which is we call the balanced deck set, which is our, our balanced setup of the game uh, using attack and defense creatures. And it's great for a first time. People can play it, mm-hmm. they can get used to it, and then they slowly add in more and more cards into that uh, common pool and start increasing the complexity and making it more engaging and making it more... Uh, so there's loads of... You're going to get lots and lots of playthroughs of this game before you get bored. And it's it's very interactive with the other person. So it is very much a um while a lot of the mechanics are simplified compared to some of those uh, things like Magic the Gathering and, and Yu-Gi-Oh, it's it's still like directly competitive. You're trying to yeah, get through somebody else's defense. Eliminate, be, them. eliminate them, yeah. <laughs> so there's no nice way of putting that, is there? <laughs> yeah. So simple to learn, difficult to master. I think that's the the takeaway from there. Yeah. And fun the whole way through. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We've got a slogan now. So, so that that's just about all we've got time for. But um, if people are interested in decking awesome games, and in particular Dice Summoners, where should they go? Yeah, so if they're at Tabletop Scotland, that's the next place we're going to be. So if you can stop by, we're um, we're in the playtest zone from half one to half four. And we're, we're going to be playtesting uh, at the event uh, as much as we can. We also are, if you're in Ireland, you can pop us a message and we're happy to meet up and show the game off. Um, and our Kickstarter is going to be on, on the 13th of September. And you can pop onto the website uh, Irish. So it's dag.irish. There you go. And if you're in Scotland and you're not going to Tabletop Scotland, why are you not going is is the question. You should go. You should go, go, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Decking awesome games are going to be there. 
Unlucky Frog's going to be there. Anyone who's anybody in the Scottish scene is going to be there. So get yourself up there. Come and say hi to us. We won't bite you. <laughs> well, there we are. Um, Owen, Kira, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much, Ben. Yep. And for all of you listening, wherever you are, thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. It's Charlotte from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Now be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All you need to do is search Unlucky Frog Gaming. You can also show your support for the Unlucky Frog through Patreon. To find out more information, check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com. Thanks. Bye.